You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Good morning. I've got one of these fancy watches that, as well as telling the time, tells you all sorts of other stuff. And can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me now? It's on. Hey, there I am. So I've got one of these fancy watches that tells you all sorts of stuff. And just now it said, abnormal heart rate detected. (laughs) And the the only other time it does that is on Christmas Day when I'm doing the dinner. So anyway, it's going to be fine. Um, So we're carrying on um, the series of looking at the good news, or the gospel, as we call it. Um, And we've been looking at different aspects of why it's good. Um, And we're continuing that today. And I'm going to look at what I think is probably the most important bit, because I'm speaking about it, not just that. But let's see what you think. But I think this is fundamental for what we believe as as Christians. So I just want, if we could put the first slide up, there it is. This is a quote from J.I. Packer, you've probably heard of him, he's written lots of books, famous preacher, and he says this. You sum up the whole of the New Testament teaching in a single phrase, the revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. In the same way, you sum up the whole of the New Testament if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that it does not, he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Strong words, but I think true. It's fundamental that we know God as our Father. And it's fundamental we know that I'm his child, that I belong to him. Um, so let's have a look. If when you ask someone who doesn't know God, what they think of God, you might get a whole range of answers. They might think of him as like a Father Christmas kind of figure, an old man up in heaven with a big beard um, who's kind but a bit irrelevant. You might get the answer that he's some cosmic force that is powerful but not personal. They might think he's a bit of a scorekeeper that he notches up all the good things you've done and all the bad things you've done and then weighs it up at the end. Or they might think he's a kind of Alexa or Siri who is just there when we need him and give us the answer. And actually we can tip into any of those things as well. But if we want to know what God is really like, we look at Jesus. Because Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. When he came to earth, he was and is God personified. And there's one thing that Jesus taught about God more than anything else, and that he's father. Um, He mentions it, I didn't count this, I'm relying on somebody else. 189 times in the Gospels, Jesus calls God father. And in the Trinity itself, the whole nature of God is God the father. 
And can, if you remember at the very start of Je Jesus' ministry, when he went public for the first time, was his baptism. And what did God say? Did he say, this is my servant who's going to do loads of brilliant things in my name? No, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he'd done anything, God was pleased. His father was pleased with his son because of that relationship they had. So when we're saved, we get to call God our father, just like Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I've got lots of scriptures, I'm not apologising. And we're going to have a look and see what the Bible says about this. But one very well-known verse is 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And it starts, that verse starts, see, or I think an old version says, behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. And, and um, it's John's writing this, and he's saying, look, open your eyes, see how much God loves you because he's called you his child. He's lavished his love on us. So let's open our eyes to this incredible truth. God's love for you is so immense. Just think about it right now. His love for you is so huge that he made a way through the death of his dearly beloved son that you could become his child and know all the joy and the hope and the security and the future that that brings. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's what we've been singing. So that's my prayer this morning, that our eyes would be opened to see, because it's a very familiar concept. Oh, God's my father. I'm but we want to grasp the truth of that, perhaps for the first time for some of us, perhaps in a fresh way. Let's grasp the incredible joy we have in knowing God as our father. So I just want to look at a couple of ways of how we become children of God. Um, two aspects. And the first is that we are born into God's family. Um, 1 John 1, 9 to 13. If we can pop that up. Oh, it's a lot there, isn't it? So this isn't a natural birth. As you know, by nature, we're separated from God. Let me just read this. He, Jesus, came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So when we're saved, we are born again. And that's a phrase that's banded around a lot and probably misused sometimes. But we're born Again, we have a new life. We're born into God's family. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work of rebirth in our life. It's nothing that we do. We submit to God and say, God, I want you in my life. And the Holy Spirit does a work of new birth in our hearts and brings us into that new life. It's a creative work of God that births us into God's family. 
So we get not to have the, not just the most amazing father, but we have the most amazing big brother in Jesus. His father is our father. And we have the same access to God as Jesus does. And we'll look at that a bit more in a bit. So we're born into God's family. But second, and this is the bit I'm going to get excited about, is we are adopted into God's family. So um, I'd like us to just look at Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Amazing. He wanted to adopt us. And it thrills his heart when he adopts us. And this passage is one um, that started a journey for me and my husband, Ashley, many years ago, 11 years ago, 12 years ago now. Um, and I, we were wanting a family and it wasn't happening and we were looking, pursuing different avenues and it was a hard time. But then one day, God, um, Ash, God, Ashley, came home and he said, Anna, I've been reading Ephesians. I've been reading about adoption. I think we should look into this. And so began our journey. And um, it, was, it was amazing um, because we, we had an excitement that this was God's best for us, that this was his plan, that he had chosen us to adopt before time began, and he'd chosen our daughter for us before time began. He had chosen, it was the best plan for us. It wasn't second best. And we felt that, we really felt that, didn't we? That this isn't, this isn't, oh, this hasn't worked, so now we better do this. It was, this is what we're meant to do. And I remember it was just the last bit of treatment I was going through. And, and, but we were all, I was like, I don't care if this doesn't work. This is what we're going to do. And I said to the nurse, I remember now, I think we're going to adopt. And she, she was like, I think that's amazing. <laughs> and we just had this amazing moment. But so it was God's plan. Um, and so then began this journey. And if you want to speak to us about it, we, we will because it was an incredible time of ups and lows, but mainly ups. We knew the goodness of God so much as we went through that journey um, of adoption. And I just want to show a couple of photos. I'm not going to mention my daughter's name. Most of you know, but just because this is going out on Facebook, just for privacy. But there, that was the day we went to court. <laughs> I made Sarah cry. That was the day we went to court and celebrated that our daughter had become ours forever, in her forever home and a forever family. And um, it, was a, it was a very wet day, but it was a good day. And then do you want to just show the next slide? There she is. And she, um, that was they sitting in, in the court and she was sitting on the thing. And I remember they said, um, Ashley Welling here, and then Hannah Welling here. I said, like, yes, yeah. And then Ellie Melly, Ellie May. Oh. <laughs> I said her name. <laughs> Her daughter's name. And she went, 
like that. She, and I remember um, our social worker said, if you need, you don't need any more proof, she knows who she is. And um, she knew her identity in our family. Um, and so that, that really opened our eyes, um, and it continues to, on what it means when God adopts us. Um, adoption wasn't God's plan B, it was his plan A. Um, you know, plan A, believe it or not, wasn't that we should all be perfect that he created us and he expected us all to be perfect. And oh, that was a bit of surprise, the whole apple thing, let's bring a plan B in. No, plan A was creation, fall, redemption and adoption. That was what God planned. Isn't that amazing? It's not his second best. Oh, um, I get emotional. <laughs> um, God's plan A was adoption. In New Testament times, sonship was not just a created relationship, it was a legal one as well. So you adopted your child. And am I right in thinking Paolo Jr. in Brazil, he's very, he talks a lot about adoption, doesn't he? And I remember him saying that they've adopted their natural children because he realises adoption is so important. Um, and so, yeah, in Roman times, it was a legal act as well as one of natural birth. And the legal act that took place confirmed the child's place in that family. And they adopted, you could adopt um, a servant and make him a child and had all the same privileges as, as the other children. Um, Hang on. So likewise, as we've seen, we are born into God's family by a work of the Spirit. We looked at that. We're born into God's family, but we are also, there's um, a motivation on God's part to make that legal, a legal requirement. Why does he do that? 1 John 3 verse 1, see what love the Father has lavished on us. He's done it because he loves us. His motivation was love. Our adoption as children of God isn't dependent on our performance or our suitability to fit into the family. When we adopted our daughter, she had done nothing other than look really cute in the photos. But other than that, she'd done nothing to earn that a place in our family. It was motivated by our love and our longing to bring her into our home. And it's the same with God. So, what does it mean legally when we're adopted? We could pop the next slide up through adoption. Number one. Number one. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, anyway, I'll just say it doesn't matter. I spent ages on this last night, didn't I? Ashley was helping me with the PowerPoint. I've never done it before. Anyway, it might come. But anyway, through adoption... Old family ties are broken. It's the same, um, it was the same in Roman law, but it's the same in British law as well. And we learned this when we were going through our training, that British adoption law is the, one of the strongest ones in the world because it says when you adopt, the birth mother never had a child. That's what it's saying. That's how strong it is. And that I, 
had this child. That's what adoption means. And it's the same with, with when we're adopted. The old family ties are broken. They have no hold on us whatsoever. The old has gone, the new has come. All the old debts and the old obligations are cancelled. We are no legally bound to sin. Jesus took all of our debt on the cross and nailed it there. He took it all. Satan has no right over us. We're a child of God. Yes, I am. That's what we are. Um, and secondly, all the new family privileges become ours. So the old family ties are gone, but the new privileges of the family become ours. Oh, well done. It's up there. So we don't have other children, but if we had had natural children as well, when we adopted our daughter, she would have exactly the same privileges as our other children. No difference whatsoever. All the same. Um, uh, and it's the same as when, we're, when we um, enter into the family of God. We have the same privileges as Jesus himself. How amazing is that? So Hebrews 2 Verse 11, we could just have a look at that. It says, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. We have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. No matter how you're feeling about yourself right now, Jesus is proud to have you as his brother or his sister. How can it be? How can that be? Because he perfectly mirrors his father and we've just messed that up no end. He serves his father, you know, with a glorious obedience and we rebelled. How? How can we be the same as Jesus? It's through Jesus. It's only because of what he's done for us. The one who is holy makes us holy by his grace and brings us into his own family. We're in the family of God. We're, we're brothers and sisters with Jesus and we have the same privilege as him. It's only because of what Jesus has done. You know, it's interesting. I, um, the Jews, it's Gareth here. Yeah, there you are. He knows all about this. But the Jews very rarely talked about God as Father. Um, he's not referred to as Father much in the Old Testament. And yet, that's all, nearly all that Jesus talked about was him as Father. He had a unique relationship with his Father. But that unique relationship is shared with us. We can now speak to the Father with the same right of access, the same intimacy, and with the same assurance as Jesus himself. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, Romans 8, 17, can we just pop that up? That tells us... Let me find it. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We are joint heirs with the Son, some versions say. Amazing. We have the same rights and privileges as Jesus. 
And then the third thing, so the old family ties are gone, the new family privilege is ours, and thirdly, adoption changes our status. It's a declaration that God makes. It's an assurance of our relationship with God as our Father, not dependent on ourselves in any way. If you're having a, a rough day and you're feeling down here, that doesn't change your status with who you are in God. You are a child of God and he's your father. And this is some, I find this sometimes it's really hard for us to, to get our head around that. And a few weeks ago, Dan shared about the, the story of the prodigal son and it was really good. But I always, I don't know, I always feel sorry for the elder brother because <laughs> I kind of get what he's saying. That's really bad. But because he was saying, oh, I've been here and I've been working and no, I didn't get the fatty calf and all of this and that sense of entitlement. And I've been working and I should have got it as well. And he hasn't done anything. And that kind of sense of justice rises up in me. I'm like, no, it's not fair. But that's completely wrong. We haven't got the right view of our father if we think of it that way. The older son had a mentality of a servant, not a son. He thought he could earn his father's favour. And we too can think we need to earn his favour, that we have to justify our place in his family. But that's not true. So how do we overcome that? How do we overcome those that, that way of thinking because I think am I the only one who can think like that or is it something we can all slip into that we've got to earn our place in his family and if we haven't done what we should have done then we somehow he doesn't love us and oh, oh I must be going through this because God doesn't love me and all this sort of stuff rubbish that comes in our heads um Let's look at Romans. If you want to look at this in more detail, just read Romans 8. It's full of, and Galatians 4, full of what it means to be adopted. Um, but Romans 8, 15 to 16, says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba. Father, it's a really intimate way of talking to a father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I'm going to read it again because it's so good. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Um, so I just want to, to think, imagine a court scene like we see on the telly in the films. I love a courtroom drama or John Grisham novel, something like that. So you've got a court scene and you're on trial and the prosecutor is the devil, Satan, and he is challenging you on your position as a child of God. So he's throwing all kinds of lies, like you're not good enough, or um, you've messed up too much, or all, all the stuff that he throws at us, um, or you haven't read your Bible enough, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so Satan's just casting this doubt. 
But then there's a witness who stands up. And that witness is the Holy Spirit. And he's on our side. And he stands up and he backs us up and he says, stop your lies. This person is a child of God. Um, and that is what he is. And that, I just found that really helpful because when we're adopted into his family, we get that Holy Spirit in our lives, the spirit of adoption, really. And it's that spirit of adoption that calls us to cry out, Abba, Father, and have that intimacy with him. Incredible. The Holy Spirit is there fighting our cause and saying, this is a child of God. That Holy Spirit brings us freedom, freedom from guilt, freedom from sin's hold on our lives, freedom from Satan's hold, freedom from the law and that hold on our lives, freedom from anxiety, you name it, freedom from it. If it's bad, the Holy Spirit brings us that freedom because we are a child of God. We can live in the fullness of all that it means to be a child of God through the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Does that make sense? We need to let that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, work in our lives, point us to the Father through Jesus. So um, just that's, that's the nitty gritty of it all really, but I just wanted to talk about some other things too, that when we... When we're adopted and when we're born into the family of God, well, you know, we've looked at that that's nothing to do with us. We don't have to earn that place. And yet when we are in the family of God, we change, don't we? Or we should be changing. Um, and it's the same with a natural family, isn't it? When you're born into a family, you inherit characteristics of your parents like it or not, you know, they say, oh, you like your dad, oh, you like your mum or whatever. Um, and that's the DNA in us. But also, when a child is adopted into a family, they don't inherit those characteristics, but they learn a certain way of being and of behaviour and a pattern. And, um, you know, often people will say to us, we had no idea your daughter was adopted. She's so like you or... And, and sometimes she and I will say the same thing at the same time because we're thinking the same. So that, that behaviour has been learnt. So some traits are inherited, some are copied and learned. And it's the same when we become a part of God's family. When we're born into his family, we inherit in our DNA certain characteristics. Um, and this is really interesting. I don't know. I'd never seen it. But apparently John, in his uh, letters, really majors on this, what we are when we're born into God's family and what we have. Paul really majors on adoption. So we're just going to look at a couple of verses from each. Um, John talks about this DNA in us um, in 1 John 3 verse 9. And it says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning. They are children of God. Now, that's, it's a bit confusing, that, because I sin. I don't, am I the only one? I think we all sin. But what this is saying is our, it's in our DNA as children of God not to sin that there's um, a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that teaches us to say yes to godliness and no to sin. And 
And I think, you know, we know when we've sinned, don't we? There's, there's that conviction of the Holy Spirit. So that our relationship to sin changes. But also, um, 1 John 4 verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So our relationship to each other changes. If we're a child of God, we love because that's what God does, and we're his children. We love each other. I'll look at that in a second a bit more. Um, but also, as in the nurture of children, when we're adopted into God's family, we start to see changes in our behaviour because we're in a new environment with a new father. Um, Ephesians 5 verse 1 tells us to be imitators of God. Um, and in verse 5 verse 8, it says to walk in light and not darkness. So when people observe our lives, they should be able to see the character of God in us. They should be able to see the family likeness. As his children, his image has begun, it's not complete, we all know that, but his image has begun to be restored in us. We're a work in progress, but day by day as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, we grow up to come we grow up to become more like our dad more like our heavenly father romans 8 12 to 14 says this therefore dear brothers and sisters you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do for if you live by its dictates you will die but if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God, of God are children of God. So we, we want to be led by the Spirit of God as children of God so that our lives reflect, reflect who God is. We look more and more like our Father. And I just want to mention quickly uh, uh, when we're talking about that, the um, subject of discipline, <laughs> because we all know that discipline is part of parenthood, isn't it? It's part of childhood, being disciplined. Um, and uh, it's a scary home, one that there's no discipline, really. It's a dangerous place for a child to grow up if there's no discipline. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Um, another scripture, sorry, I'm bombarded, nearly there. Hebrews 12, 9 to 11 says, Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable, while it is happening, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So, you know, discipline's not easy, is it? And it's, it's hard when we're going through it. But it's just let's, um, if we've got the right perspective of who God is as our loving, loving Father, then we know that discipline is for our good and he wants what's best for us and then lastly I just want to talk a little bit about family life um, 
because we've become, when we're born into God's family and adopted into his family, like it or not, we become part of a very big family um, worldwide, um, but more locally here. Um, and I love you all. You're all my family. Um, and it's a huge diversity of people. You know, we all come from different backgrounds, different ways of thinking, different upbringings, different political stances, different um, IQs, you know, you name it. We're very diverse, but we all have a common bond of being God's children. And because of that, we're brothers and sisters. So you are my brothers and sisters. And what a joy that is most of the time. <laughs> and it's challenges sometimes, isn't it? But no, it, on the whole, it's a joy. Um, and I am grateful, so grateful for the brothers and sisters God has given me. You know, we don't walk this Christian life alone. Praise God. We have brothers and sisters to walk it with. And it's a joy. It can be a challenge. We know if you think of any natural family, it's not always harmonious. No. It, it can have, um, we can have our fallouts and sometimes they can be devastating fallouts, can't they, in families and, um, and unfortunately that happens in the church as well um, and I'm sure that breaks God's heart because we are his family. How can such different people coming from such different backgrounds live as one big happily family? Happily, happy family. Colossians 3, 12, 15, 12 to 15. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, <coughs> gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. <coughs> Above all, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That's what we're to do, is to, above all, clothe ourselves with love, be tender-hearted, kind, gentle, patient, Make allowance, make allowance for me <laughs> and, and let me make allowance for you. Let's not be quick to judge. Um, let's just love each other because what does Jesus say? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the family trait is that we love each other. Um, Paul says, make every effort to keep the bond of peace. We are called to be different, but we are part of a very special family which has Almighty God as its father. So um, I just want to kind of pull it all together, really. And um, as, as I was doing this, I was just reading and thinking, and I think some, some of us have had amazing earthly fathers growing up. I'm privileged to say that I'm one of those. Um, but some people, perhaps not such good fathers. Um, you know, some might have been away a lot, either physically or uh, emotionally. They might have been abusive. 
physically or um, verbally, emotionally. You might have had a dad that it was all about your performance and how well you did and you felt loved if you did well enough. Um, you might have had a dad that was just there but not really kind of thing. Didn't have much to do with the running of home or being there for you. You might have had a very critical father who was on you every little thing you did. And that can affect the way we think of God. Um, but I just want to say that God isn't just a better version of your dad. Our father God is the perfect heavenly father. You know, he is never absent. He is never abusive. He isn't performance-based. He's not passive and he's not critical. Our father is the perfect, loving, heavenly father in all of his ways. We sing that song. He is perfect in all of his ways. A good, good father. And whether you've had a good father or not, he loves you and you have a place in his heart um, as his son or as his daughter. Now that scripture, because um, in Matthew and Jesus says, you know, if an earthly, if you ask your earthly father for a bread, would he give him a stone, you know? And then he goes on to say, how much more would your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And um, I was watching a thing by Louis Giglio, who I really like, and he calls God the how much more father, you know? So whatever you can ask of God, how much more does he want to give you? He's an abundant, loving God. Um, so I just want to just read one last scripture, Psalm 68. It says, sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. This is majestic, a mighty creator God. It says, rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. That's, that's our God. But who is this God? It goes on to say, he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling? God sets the lonely in families. God's heart is for family. He's a father. He wants you in his family. Um, and so uh, can I just ask Tim and the band to come up? We're just going to finish with a song. Um, and, I, and I just want you to use this time just to respond to God. Um, you know, maybe you've got or slipped into having a bit of a slave mentality uh, rather than a son mentality or daughter mentality. You, you're feeling you need to earn your wave into God's favour. Perhaps you need to be set free from some stuff that you've been walking in but that you've been freed from. Perhaps you need to walk in that freedom. Perhaps you need to be set free from the, the mindset of what a father is because of your own experience. Maybe we just need to stand in that courtroom and hear the Holy Spirit say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Isn't that amazing? 
he's pleased with you. And I think if you're like me and you do want to do everything right, it can be hard when you don't. But God is saying, I've made a way for you to be my child, irrespective of your performance and your behavior. You are my child and I am your father. And that is never, ever going to change. So as we worship together, as we sing this song, just open your heart, let the Holy Spirit work. Maybe it's the first time you've ever asked God to be your father. And if that's the case, talk, talk to someone afterwards, one of the leaders. Um, maybe you just need, need to just come and sit on your father's lap and just hear him say that he loves you and that he will always love you. So let's worship together. Let's come to him.